Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You're so gracious and you're so kind. We thank you that you care enough about us, number one, to give us Jesus so that we could be saved. And we thank you that you care enough about us that you would give us your written word to instruct us and guide us and correct us and rebuke us. And we thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit to lead us into all truth. Now, Father, you said that you desire that Christ be fully formed in us. And the way for Christ to be fully formed in us is for our, us to be able to see, hear, and understand what you are doing. So, Father, we thank you that as we bring forth this word today about developing resilience, Father, that it will be heard with spiritual ears. It will be seen with spiritual eyes and it will be perceived with a heart that is filled with you so that every demonic force, every bit of bondage, every, every plan and plot against your people will be utterly crushed as we stand in faith and see your victory emerge. So we thank you that you said that anytime we teach the word, there will be signs, wonders, and miracles following. And so we thank you for the breakthroughs that are being released even now that your people may receive them in Jesus name. Amen. 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 One of my favorite scriptures um, that I learned when I first um, got born again was the scripture uh, in Proverbs that says, wisdom is the principal thing. Uh, it says, and with all thy getting to get an understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think it is the, the key for why I have always thought that the teaching aspect of the fivefold ministry was so important. Not that mm -hmm. it's more important. Uh, I think it was one of those parts that people kind of left out because maybe it wasn't as uh, sensationalized or it wasn't looked at as something uh, to be revered in because uh, it could come across as boring. Uh, we know that the apostle Paul was a great teacher, but even he, when he was teaching, had a man fall asleep <laughs> when he was teaching, fell out the window, uh, and Paul had to go go down and, and use his faith to revive the man. And but but for me, it's always been this idea that if I don't know how to do something, then I get frustrated at having to guess because you may guess right, but oftentimes more than not, you're guessing wrong. Absolutely. And so I think the reason that today's message is so important is because the reality of it is, I thought that last week we would talk about resiliency about this much. Uh, just a little bit, and then we get into all the other things. But what I realized is that as we were teaching last week, really, we never got into any of the other stuff. We just kind of got not stuck, but we stayed on this idea of how to build resiliency. And then this week I had, I don't know about you, but I had so many people reach out and was saying things like, you know, I had never heard that before uh, about building resiliency through the word, how to do that. I had never seen it like that before. I've heard the stories, but I never equated that to 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 building my faith and resiliency. And so on this week when I was praying about it, I felt like the Lord told us to just take a moment and slow down, just slow down and actually talk about how you, what is resiliency? Why is it important? How do we build it and how do we stay there? And so one of the things that you ended with last week is what we're going to start with. And it's this idea that just because we are born again, believers does not exempt us from life's challenges. And I think that's a very, very important part for people to understand. A lot of people think that if they give their life to Christ, that everything is just supposed to be okay. That everything is just supposed to work out. And if they don't have anything to do with it, it just should work out. And then when it doesn't work out, uh, people get frustrated. Uh, they begin to blame God. They begin to blame themselves. Uh, they begin to blame the devil. They begin, they begin to blame anybody they can because they don't have an understanding of what their part in what, what their part in it was to play. No, that's really good. And, you know, one of the things that I love, I love when we really um, sit around a subject for a while, because I remember in the early days, 
when it would be common for us <coughs> to teach one subject for six months. Right. Because it's one of the reasons that we learn not to despise repetitive teaching, mm -hmm. right? Because the reality of it is, is, though, is that no matter how old you are, however you've been thinking, you've been thinking that way for a while, yep. right? And so while we may get excited because we hear a message one time, right? We may even decide to change when we right. hear a message one time. But until that word is built in us, because faith said the Bible says that faith comes by hearing mm -hmm. and hearing and hearing and hearing. Right. And one of the things that I think that one of the deceptions of the enemy is to cause people not to value the teaching part of the ministry, right? So they're excited about prophetic words. Because it seems glamorous. Right. They're excited about that, but they don't actually know how. Right. So, for example, when we say this is the year of release, yes. this is the five to one year, right? So people get excited about that and they shout about that and they don't realize that when a prophetic word goes forth, number one, for every promise and prophetic word of God, mm -hmm. there are principles yes. that, people of, that the people of God God must walk That's out right. right. So what happens is is that we're getting we're getting we're getting ready to head into this last part of the year, and people will begin to release the words for 2022. Right? People will quote those words. They will get excited about those words. But do you actually know how to walk that right. word out? And so I love when we slow down. And like you, I got a lot of messages where people were like, "Oh my God, I didn't realize that because I think that sometimes people think that we're special." That our mm -hmm. ability to have, number one, I think that sometimes people think that we don't ever have any faith fights. Right. I think that people think that things are always going well with us. I think that people think that it's something special, but we've had to learn to build resilience. Yes. And we build resilience by using the word and by understanding that, number one, we don't despise repetitive teaching. And number two, that in this world, you're going to have trouble. Yeah. You're not exempt from that. So the question is, can I get equipped? How proficient can I get at dominating the trouble that's come to trouble me? And I think another part of that is not, and you said it, and I want people to hear that. When we talk about building resiliency, we never say that without saying through the word of God. Through the word of God. Because, you know, psychology will tell you that there are ways to build resiliency through self-effort. But if you build resiliency through self-effort, you can only go as far as yourself can take. You. Right. And we all want to go beyond where ourselves can take you. That's why we believe in the scripture that says greater is he that is in me than than me being in the world. In other words, with Christ in me, I'm greater than if I was just in the world alone by myself. And so we're not talking about this idea that you may read in psychology today or some of those other places that talk about building resiliency uh, through through some of those methods. We're talking about how do I use the word of God? to build a resiliency. And it's not that they are total opposite. We just want to make that distinction. If this if you don't if if you don't if you're not born again and you don't allow Holy Spirit to come in, we can talk to you about resiliency and you can do some of the things, but it'll only take you so far. It'll only take Building you so far. resiliency through the word of God is the way to go. Because the word of God is alive. It's alive. And it has it's sharper super, than any two edged sword. It is, and it has supernatural strength. Yes. Yeah. So there is a there is a way there is a place that we can go in our own effort. 
is this is this is how tough Sean Strickland is. This is how tough Edwin Strickland is, right? But when we begin to put our weight on the word, mm -hmm. not on ourselves, mm -hmm. then what we end up doing is going further than we thought we could go. And where did we end up? Exactly where God said we could be. And so many of us, we need to learn that we're that I know the world teaches. I love what you said about that. The world teaches us all these things about being mentally tough, right? But if your mental toughness is not rooted in the life-changing, mm -hmm. life-giving word of God, then life circumstances are going to tear you down and crush you. You have to get in the word and allow yourself to be built up yep. in your most holy faith so that when trouble comes, you are not shaken. Yeah, you are only unbreakable in the word of God. You are. That's no, good. No, no matter how strong you are, no matter how mentally tough you are, no matter how much resilience you, ha you have, there is something in this world that will break you. Yes. You only become unbreakable through the word of God. Through the word of God. And Jesus said that. We can get into this. John 16 and 33. We're going to look at John 16 and 33 in the King James Version. And he says these words. He says, these things have I spoken unto you. He says that where? In me, you might have what? Peace. He says, in me, you're going to be unbreakable. In, uh, in me, you're going to have nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, in this world, though, you shall have what? Tribulation or troubles. He says, but even in the midst of that, do what? Be of good cheer. Why? He says, because I have overcome the world. And so, in other words, he says, look, if you're in me and I'm in you, he says, you can take that, you can know that, and you can be at peace. You, you can be at peace that you're going to be unbreakable. He says, now you're in the world, which means you're not exempt from life's troubles and challenges. He says, but you can be of, of good cheer. You can have joy. Uh, it goes back to Pastor Ralph's message. You can have joy even when things are going crazy all around you. Why? He says, because you are in me and I have already done what? Overcome the world. That's He's so good because he says, first of all, he tells you that your position, mm -hmm. if you want to have peace, stay in me. Mm -hmm. If you want to have peace, y'all put that in the comments, say, if I want to have peace, I must stay in Christ. That means I must stay aware of who I am in him and who he is to me, yep. right? And then what that's gonna have happen is that it's going to cause me to be of good cheer. Why? Because why am I of a good cheer in trouble? Because I'm not focused on the trouble, I'm focused on being in him, and if I'm in him, I've already overcome. See, that's the part. I'm not even just focused on, and I love how you said that, I'm not even just focused on, on being in him, I'm focused on the fact that in him, I'm already overcoming the I'm trouble. I'm already overcoming the I trouble. I love that. It, because it's, not, it's, it's a scripture we use all the time. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, thanks be mm -hmm. to God who has given, has given. That's past tense. That means I had victory before I started the fight. Tell your neighbor, say, you had victory before the trouble came. When you begin to understand, and I believe that that's been a life-changing thing for yeah. us, right? To understand, yes, we may have these circumstances in front of us, but God does not even allow the enemy to bring a circumstance to me that there was not already a solution for. Mm -hmm. So when I focus on the yeah. fact that I already have the victory Absolutely. in Christ, it's going to change how I face the trouble. Listen. 
listen, you guys need to go ahead and tag and share if you haven't. If you just jumped on this broadcast, there's already been great nuggets already dropped. You need to be tagging your friends. Listen, we were talking uh, this week. And if you remember several months ago, I started saying to the people of God that we needed to prepare for what was coming at the end of this month. When I first started saying that, I wasn't hearing a whole lot of people say it. So I was kind of just talking to FOC because I felt like it was something for us. And now you begin to see all of these prophets, well-known prophets and evangelists and, 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 and apostles and other people who are saying, hey, here's what's to come. And I love what we've been saying here at FOC, which is, hey, guys, come home, come home, come home. And we were talking about this last, uh, we were talking about that this week uh, because we were saying that literally, that is literally what God did for the children of Israel. He said, y'all come in the house. There, there's some destruction coming, but if you will come in the house, literally, if you'll come in the house and if you'll stay in the house and be covered by the blood, whatever's coming won't, won't cause calamity to come to you. And that's really what we've been saying. We've been saying, listen, there are some things that are happening, but we need you to come home. Why? Because when you come home, there's resiliency in the house. The house is designed to protect you. And so when you come home, you are you even though there's calamity going on, there's economic destruction, we've got we've got coronavirus and all of the variants that are out there. We've got political turmoil, we got uh, hurricanes, we got forest fires, all of this stuff. But literally, the word of God is like, hey, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. And I love what it says in the Amplified. The Amplified says it like this: it says, I have told you these things. So that in me, you may have perfect peace. Perfect he peace. says you may have perfect peace. In the world, you have tribulation and distress and suffering. He says, but be courageous. I love this part. Be confident, be undaunted, and be filled with joy. People ask us, how do y'all make it through? That's what we do. We are confident in God's word. We are, un we are undaunted. undaunted. And we don't act like something like, like, like whatever, whatever is going on, we don't act like it's going on. We are filled with joy. He says, I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. Is accomplished. And my victory is abiding. abiding. My victory abiding. This is so important. And I was saying this to you today, um, yesterday um, when we were talking and I was saying when you first released the word about, you know, here's the thing. You don't necessarily prophesy a lot, but anytime you release, uh, you've released a word, many of your words, they have been designed to preserve us and navigate us through trouble. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget years ago before the in, in 2004 five, six, whenever it was, when it was the economic collapse, right? Mm -hmm. That you began to say to the church, we had well, at Conway, then you begin to say, hey, trouble is coming in, same message, come in the house. And whatever, what happens, I said to you that one of the ways that I know that God is trying to preserve his people is that he literally will not let me move off of obedience. Mm. He will be like, tell my people to obey yep. me. Tell my people to obey me. No matter what I'll start talking about, it'll be like, tell me, tell my people to obey me. When the Lord begins to get very, very diligent, very, very persistent about obedience, he is trying to snatch us out of trouble. Yeah. Understand, it was a very specific way that the children of Israel had to do what he said in order to be preserved yep. from the death angel. Yep. They couldn't do it willy nilly. Right. And it reminds me of, it reminds me of several years ago. You know, this story, I had this dream. We're with some friends. We're with our kids. We're at this, um, we we're at this 
camp, which you know we would never be out in the wilderness in the camp, but we're out there with our friends and we're all setting up and the kids get taken. And we basically short version of it is, is that with the first time we get to them, they're, they've been buried alive and they're dead. The Lord says, go back and dream the dream again. Each time we start listening to his instructions more clearly, the very last time in the dream, um, we, we are able to intercept before it ever they ever get taken and they're not taken. And he said to me, it is important to hear me because every time you won't get a do-over. Yeah. And you know, and, and and that's not to scare us, it's to understand that in reality, if you're out in the battlefield. But it is to enlighten us. It is to enlighten it's us. It's not to scare, but you ought to be enlightened to the fact that in life, you don't always get do-overs. In life, you don't always get do-overs. If you're out on the battlefield in the military and your commanding officer tells you to get down and you get up looking around talking about, I don't see trouble, why would we get down? You literally could lose your life mm -hmm. over that, right? And if there are people that you, you love God, you're saved, but you don't have the resilience, you haven't developed the resilience to be obedient. And so what happens is because you can't necessarily see the trouble. You can't necessarily see how going your own way is putting you in a bad situation. You're going to end up in a place where you are going to get sucker punched and knocked down and then it's going to be horrible. We're saying to you, it doesn't have to be that way. And I love what Chandra said. She said, not only can your disobedience ruin and your life, it risks the lives of others. Right. So when we choose to be disobedient, when we choose to treat God's instructions as optional, there may not be something immediate that happens, but now we have our man of God who is saying to us two things. One, that there is something coming and you give us a word to navigate to it, through it, which is why we need the teaching ministry. It's the year of release. It's a five to one year. This literally means this is what people really need to understand. This is how gracious God mm -hmm. is. God says, Edward Strickland, I want you to tell your people, tell the people that I have entrusted to you that trouble is coming, right? And I want you to tell them that it's the five to one season of release. So I'm going to teach them what they should have learned in the last five years in one year so they can navigate this trouble. What? How gracious is that? Because the Bible says God doesn't, nothing happens in the earth unless God reveals it, right? So now what should we be doing? We should be sitting under the teaching ministry. We should be practicing living this thing out day by day. We should be in tuning our ear and training our human spirit to hear God and obey quickly. Yep, absolutely. Well, and we see that because Jesus tells us that we would have tough times. He, he, he doesn't give us some pie in the sky, grandiose idea that following him is going to be unicorns and rainbows. He just doesn't do that. He just doesn't that. do that. He says, you are going to be in this world and you are going to have tough times. But then he reminds them in the very next breath, he says, but I will always be with you. I'll always be and with so you. the key here is that if he is always with us, us, then he will always help us. And if he will always help us, then we are always greater than whatever we're facing. Yes. And those are the, when we talk about building resiliency, that's what we're building it on. 
We're building it on this foundation that, yes, we're going to have troubles. We're not going to freak out because we have troubles. What we also know, though, is that Jesus is going to always be with us. And if he's always with me, he's always going to help me. So therefore, as a resilient believer, one of the things we do is we look past our troubles and we put our mind on Christ. Resilient we believers look past, look past our their troubles. troubles. Right. Now, and this is important because I want to say this, you know, we um, what the church has a tendency to do mm -hmm. when trouble gets bad is that they start asking for Jesus to come. We want G. We want G. Come now, Lord Jesus. The Bible is very clear. Jesus is not coming down for some broke, struggling church. The Bible says he is coming for a church that is without spot or blemish. He is not coming because we don't know how to get it together. Mm -hmm. He is coming for a church that has manifested what he said. This message about resilience. This is a key component to how the sons of God are manifested, right? How we begin to learn to stand in authority. And instead of acting like Jesus has left us here with no tools, no ability for the devil to run crazy over us, we begin to stand in the authority that he has given us, that he gave us way back in Genesis when he told us to be fruitful, to multiply, to replenish, to subdue, and to have dominion. We begin to take our place until you are a resilient believer, you can never take your place against the enemy. Why? Because as soon as the wind blows, you fall apart. Well, and here's what resiliency looks like. You know, you talked about going back to Genesis. This idea of resiliency is not a New Testament phenomenon. It is not. It's not, it's not this new modern age way of thinking. Resiliency has always been a thing of the kingdom. And we see this in Habakkuk. You know, one of my favorite scriptures, again, is in Habakkuk because it, it mentions this idea of what I'm going to do even when something's not working out. Yes. And here's what he says in Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, it is supposed to be blossoming. He says, neither shall there be fruit in the vines. In other words, if I if I plant a whole entire garden and I don't see any, any fruit coming from it. He says, in the labor of the olive shall fail. My olive tree, trees aren't producing olives. He said, in the field shall yield no meat. Even if my livestock don't have offspring, what they're supposed to be doing. He says, the flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stall. He said, if all of this stuff is happening in my life, if everything is supposed to be going right, is not happening. He says, listen, I can acknowledge it as a fact, but here's what I'm going to do. He yes. says, yet. Yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will joy, joy in, in the, the God, God of my salvation. salvation. And that word salvation is deliverance. He says, why am I going to rejoice in the God of my salvation? Because I know it is the God of my salvation who will make the fig tree blossom. I know it's the God of my salvation who will cause fruit to be in the vine. I know it's the God of my salvation who will make the olive trees produce. I know it's the God of my salvation who will cause offspring to give uh, to my livestock. I know it's the God of my salvation who will cause the to not be cut off. I know it's God who will call my herds to be multiplied. So while all this bad stuff is going on, guess what I'm going to be doing? Praising God. Praising God. Praising God. I'm going to be honoring God. Why? Because I know who he is. I know what he will do. And I am a resilient believer. So I look what? Past the trouble. I look past the trouble. I don't focus on the trouble. I don't get bogged down on what's going on at this very moment. I'm always asking myself, but what did God say? What did God show me? So What's good. the vision he gave me? Because that's the propelling why that pulls me past my trouble. Really? And a lot of people don't have a propelling why to pull them past their trouble. They get stuck in the trouble. And when you get stuck in the trouble, all you can see is trouble. 
That's why Jeremiah 17 says you can't use your flesh as your strength. He says, if you use your flesh as your strength, all you're going to see is trouble. He said, but if you put your trust in God, he says, all you will see is the goodness. Why? Because that's what I'm focused on. Now, and I, if I'm not, now tell me, I may be incorrect, but I think I'm right. That in Rebecca, when they get to this point where the fig tree isn't blossoming and all this stuff isn't happening, it is because of the sin of a nation. Mm -hmm. It is because the people have not done what God has told them to do. But Rebecca says, even though there are consequences and, and our nation is in turmoil because the people haven't obeyed you, I'm still looking at you as the God of my salvation. I love what I feel like he was saying here. He was saying here, even if the whole nation is falling apart because mm -hmm. they won't obey mm -hmm. you, my faith is in you. You go deliver me. I don't change based on what's going on around me. That's right. Even if all this stuff is happening, you know what I'm going to do? Yet I'm going to praise you. Absolutely. I'm going to praise you. The economy I'm going down, I'm going to praise you. Coronavirus numbers are going up. God, I'm still going to praise you. Housing prices going up. God, I'm still going to praise you. Grocery prices getting sky high. I'm still going to praise you. Gas is $3 a gallon now. I'm still going to praise you. No matter what is going on, I will rejoice in the God of my deliverance. And if you're not resilient, here's what happens. Pastor Ralph taught a couple of weeks ago. He was teaching. I remember. Mm -hmm. Right. The problem is, is that when you don't develop resilience, then you never get to have your own I remembers because you're quitting in yeah. every battle. Yeah. God wants you to begin to let him teach you how to walk through trouble so you have your own I remembers so you don't always need someone else. Bible says David encouraged himself yes. in the Lord. Why did he encourage himself? Because he had his own remembers. And I was thinking about this week we had an opportunity to practice resilience. Mm. You took the boys all the way to Atlanta mm -hmm. and you guys get there at 5 p.m. on the day you're supposed to move 6 in. Mm -hmm. 6 p.m. And at 6 04, they send you a yep. message and tell mm -hmm. you that there is no place, that, that the place isn't ready. It won't be ready for and two it, days. And it won't be ready for two days and they have to start school. And we were talking in the messenger, you and I, because the thing I love about you is that the one thing we know how to do is we know how to go to war. Yep. And you told me, you, you said one word to me, you said pray. And this is what I began to say to the Lord. I said, God, number one, we have seed in the ground. Mm -hmm. Number two, we have allowed college students to stay with mm -hmm. us. There is no way in the world my sons do not have a place. Right. So, Father, I thank you that though the apartment look like it's not ready mm -hmm. and it looked like they don't know when they're going to be able to be in it. I thank you that Chase and Caleb have a place yeah. to stay. Right. This is the principle of Habakkuk. Yeah. Everything around us looks dried up. We begin to say we didn't know. Now, here is where faith comes in. We did not necessarily say it had to be that place that we expected them to stay in because mm -hmm. we were open for however God was right. going to do. It. Right. But what we knew is it was no way <laughs> in the world Chase and Caleb weren't going to have a place to stay because we had prepared and we had too much seed in the ground. So if God had to supernaturally build a place overnight, those two boys would go have right. a place to stay. Right. Now you say that's crazy. And in reality, because you believe that's crazy, that's why you don't get those kind of testimonies. Mm -hmm. Right. Even though it looks crazy, I will rejoice in the joy of my salvation. Yes. And what I practice doing over the next couple of days is that anytime I thought about the apartment, I just thank God. Yeah. God, I thank you that they have a place to stay.
And, and for, for me, I just I, I focus on Joshua one and nine. It's, oh. it was, I just focus on Joshua one and mm -hmm. nine because what he says is, "Have not I commanded thee to be strong and of good courage, to be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest." So whether we were in Atlanta or whether we were in Arkansas or somewhere in between, he was like, "You don't have to get freaked out by this." And I sent you a message. I said, "You know what? This is an opportunity for me to work on my thinking, feeling cycle. You did. I'm not going to get frustrated. I'm not going to get upset because at the end of the day, it." It, not that it is what it is, but I can't go down there and fight somebody and move in the apartment. The weapons of my warfare are, are not natural. They're not carnal. They're, 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 mine are spiritual. So what I said was, God, I don't know what all this means, but you work it out. People were posting uh, on Twitter and everywhere else showing what their apartment was unclean and, and messy and didn't look like. And I just started saying, God, that won't be our testimony. Won't be that our won't, testimony. I don't know how many units they got and how many they haven't cleaned and what they haven't done. And when we get there on Friday, it's going to be fine. And, and you know what? It was. It was. But, 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 but it began with this resilient idea of you do not freak out just because stuff around you is going haywire it's supposed to the world is inundated with sin it's supposed to operate in chaos we are the ones who's supposed to bring at least our parts of the world so that it's not chaotic anymore you know one of the things that i think about all the time is that how do we keep our mind on christ we keep our mind on christ by by observing his word when we observe his word, then we're able to, in tough times, not succumb to all of the pressures. In Joshua 1, though, it says this, and I think is a very important thing that people overlook. He says, have I not commanded thee to be strong and of good courage and be not afraid? The only reason you have to be commanded to be strong and of good courage and be not afraid and be dismayed is that there will be something to be afraid of. There will, there will be, be something to be dismayed to be afraid, by, right. right? So understand that there is so much that God gives us in scripture when he's saying to us, I am telling you, you're going to have opportunities to freak out. You are going to have opportunities to cave in and quit, but don't because I'm with you wherever you go. I love it. Believers who are resilient never stop trusting God, even yes. when things don't go their way. Put That's this in the comments and say, say, I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. As our spiritual mother says, I take, I God, take seriously. God seriously. I take God seriously. And you see that in 2 Corinthians uh, 4, 8 through 9. He, you just said it. We are troubled on every side. He said, why are you, why are you perplexed? Why are you uh, anxious that you're being troubled? I've, I've warned you. I've told you that before. You are going to be troubled on every side. He says, yet, not what? Distress. Trouble's going to come, <laughs> but I shouldn't be stressed out about it. It's, it's natural. It's natural to have things not happen the way they're supposed to go. It's natural not to have everything work out uh, the first time you do it. It's natural to have to come up with with, 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 a, with another plan on the fly. That's why you got to be open to always hearing God because your best laid plans don't always work out because we live in a world of chaos and sin. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. We are perplexed. Like, why in the world would this happen? Why in the world would we drive there? I said it. Why in the world would you have? Because it wasn't just me. And I, and I really kept stressing that. I had, praise God, the resources to ensure that my boys were going to have a place to stay for the next few days. And even if they didn't get into that apartment, I would have gotten them one. But there were people down there who literally had taken a bus to Atlanta. There were people whose parents dropped them off because they had to get back to work because the whole the, the apartment complex said you could move in on this day and they had to get back to work. I was I was perplexed 
why an apartment complex would work would wait to 604 p.m. and send a mass email to everybody who's supposed to move in on a Wednesday and a Thursday and tell them they can't move in now to a Friday and a Saturday. And then they wouldn't answer the phone for the next two days. I was perplexed. But you know what? I was not in despair. You were not in despair. Y'all need to look at that. We are troubled on every side. Yet we are not distressed. We are perplexed. Why in the world would this go on? And why would this happen? But we are not in despair. He says, you may even be persecuted. Uh, he said, but you will never be forsaken. You Somebody might try to cash you down, but, but they won't be able won't to be destroy destroyed. I laughed when you first started reading this because you got to have supernatural revelation for this to even make sense. You do. You got to have God on the inside of you for this to even make sense. Wait a minute. We troubled on every side, yep. but yet we not distressed. We are not. We're perplexed, we but are. we're not in despair. We are not. We're persecuted, we but are. we're not forsaken. We're, not. we're cast down, but we we're are. not destroyed. And we're let not. me tell you what begins to happen <laughs> when you begin to get resilience, mm -hmm. right? What happens when you begin to get resilience is that once we secure in the spirit a secure place for our kids, mm -hmm. we start doing it for other kids. Mm -hmm. Now we start. See, you got to have this revelation of when God is with you. And, and, you know, my kids, the girls got to fly with us this summer. And Cana says, she says, why do you touch the plane whenever you mm -hmm. get on the plane? And I say, because I am an ambassador for heaven. I am in the world, but I'm not of the world. Yes. What that means is that when I get on this plane, this plane has now been commandeered on behalf of mm. heaven. That means that everybody on this plane go get to their location because yes. I'm on this yes. plane. See, when you are all pumped out and caved in and quitting every time something happened to you, you don't even understand that God put dominion on the inside of you for you to stand in the middle of the situation and say, not only not me and mm -hmm. mine, but everybody, everybody who in else. this place because yes. I'm in this yes. place. I'm not a victim of my circumstances. I'm not a victim of what's happening in life. I dominate life yep. because I take authority over the word of using the word of God. And I command life circumstances to agree with the word. Listen, resiliency is what gets you. you the way you live out 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9 is uh -huh. through resiliency. Yes. You, you cannot live yes. that out without resiliency. And so because that's important, let's talk a little bit about the importance Teach of it. resilience, Teach it. the importance of resilience. We can't underestimate and we can't downplay how important this is because you are so right. If you don't see resiliency through the word of God uh, as being necessary, you will never live out something like Second Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. Now, as we discussed last week, we were talking about resilience or this idea of resiliency, right? And we said that it is our ability to adapt and bounce back when things don't go as planned. We say it is the ability to cope with the loss, the change, and the trauma that are the inevitable parts of life. It is literally defined, and we defined this last week, as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. It is having toughness and the ability to spring back into shape quickly. I want you to say this. Say, I recover quickly. I recover quickly. I, I, see, I want to release that anointing in your life right now because some of you, you've been, you, you been going through stuff for 15 years, mm -hmm. but you have the anointing to recover quickly. Yes. You have the anointing to recover quickly. I need you to put a demand on that anointing right now. I recover quickly. Yes, I, I recover, recover quickly. quickly. I may get knocked down, but I don't stay down. Yep. I may get sucker punched, but I 
recover quickly. I recover quickly. quickly. We take, you got to take that by faith. Now, what am I trying to do for you? I'm trying to get you to take this portion Mm -hmm. of resilience by faith. So the next time something happens and your mind says, it's going to take us months to recover for this. Your spirit will start saying, oh no, because I recover quickly. I spring back into shape. I spring back back into into form. I may get sucker punched, but I get right back up. Why? I because quickly. I recover quickly. I recover quickly. Resilient, Resil- oh, oh. Resilient people yep. don't wallow or dwell on failure. That's right. They acknowledge the situation, learn from their mistakes, and then they move forward. Come on, say it again. They do what? They, they move forward. Say this next prophetic declaration. I am moving moving forward. forward. I am moving forward. Do not be like Lot's wife, constantly looking back, becoming a pillar of salt in your soul, unable to move forward. I recover quickly and I am moving forward, right? And so there are these three key elements that Mm -hmm. we want to talk to you about. And I love that you did this. I love that you really are a trained teacher. Because what you are so good at doing is saying, here is this thing that we've been doing for 25 years now, right? But we didn't necessarily have steps for it. We were just being led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. I love how you'll sit before the Lord and say, now we need the steps so we can teach the people. And and what what I usually do is say, okay, God, this is what you told us to do in these situations. How do I then take this and explain it to somebody so that it makes sense for whatever situation they in. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things he told me, he said, he said, if you, if you will allow me to talk to you, this, and I remember him specifically saying this years ago when I was a young preacher trying to preach like everybody else, except for the way he told me, he said, I'll help you codify information and put it in language so people can understand. Yes. And so hopefully that's what this does today because what we just want to share for the next few minutes is just at least three of the things that we've learned in our personal life, in our marriage, in our ministry that has helped us to become more resilient. Now, as we do these three things, I want you to make this declaration. I want you to say, I prosper in every season. Mm-hmm. I, I prosper. And in fact, somebody, you need to go ahead and release your offering on that word right mm. there. I prosper in every season. And here's the thing. There was about 115 people on here a moment ago uh, across a different broadcast. I don't I don't know if we see all of your comments, but you ought to type that right there. If you don't type nothing else, why would you be watching us and, 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 and not participating in obeying in the steps necessary to cause prosperity to come in your life? It takes you a moment. You can copy somebody else's thing and paste it in there. But you ought to be saying I prosper in every season. And the reason you're going to need dig into what we're about to say, yes. these next three things that we're going to tell you, because the truth of it is is that we need to learn how to navigate this season we are in in victory and the season that's coming and the season that's coming I'm telling you in victory. in victory we are going to prosper in every I season. prosper in every season I prosper, I do. In, I every prosper in every single season every season all right let's do this all right so let's talk about so we got three of these I'll take number one all right here's the first one and if you're going to develop resiliency in your life you have to adopt a particular kind of mentality. In each of these, we're going to be talking about the kind of mentality that you need to adopt. Number one, if you're going to be resilient, you need something that we call the challenge mentality. You need to have a challenge mentality. 
What is a challenge mentality? A challenge mentality, it says this, or basically this, resilient people view a difficulty as a challenge, not as some paralyzing event. Come on, say that again. If you are going to be a person who develops resiliency through the word of God, you have to develop what I call a challenge mentality. Pastor Sean and I have over our life together just, just learn to adopt this mentality and didn't even really have a name for it, but we call it the challenge mentality. Why? Because resilient people are people who view a difficulty. And, and we've been, we spent the last 20 minutes talking about in this world, we're going to have trouble. We said that, that being born again doesn't exempt you from life challenges. We said that Jesus uh, told us you're going to be have trouble on every side. So we know difficulty is going to come. But resilient people this view so difficulty good. as a challenge. They see it as an opportunity to overcome as opposed to some paralyzing event that causes them to be locked into where they are. They look at their failure. They look at their mistake or they look at their challenges. They look at their difficulties as lessons to be learned from. And as opportunities for growth, they don't view them as a negative reflection. Watch this as a negative reflection of their own ability or their own self-worth. They have a challenge mentality. They say, this is an opportunity for me to overcome. It is not an opportunity to see myself as less than. Selah. <laughs> Selah. The challenge mentality, it says. It does. It says, this thing is in front of me. Yep. I'm not sure why it's in front of me, but the God that is in me is bigger than what's in front of me. Yes. Now it becomes my responsibility yep. to listen to him so that I emerge with victory. That's it. And let me tell That's you something. It. This is where a lot of people lose yep. it because you don't have a challenge mentality. And when something happens to you that you don't understand, you allow the spirit of self-pity yep. to enter into your life. Y'all yep. ought to share this broadcast. You start downgrading your you, own self-worth, your own self-ability. You see this singular event as a totality of who you are. And for many of you, you start doing that garbage about how God don't love mm, you mm, and how nobody mm, ever helps mm, you mm, and nobody mm, comes through mm, for mm, you. And instead of mm, remembering all the times that God mm, deliver mm, you, you start remembering every Rejection, mm -hmm. every abandonment, every disappointment. You need to understand that when you are facing a challenge, the spirit of self-pity is going to try to attach yes. to you. It wants you to feel sorry for yourself. Yes. Why? Because if you feel sorry for yourself, you do not believe you are empowered to overcome. And if you notice, people get upset with me typically about this. When people get a bad diagnosis mm -hmm. and they reach out to me, they always say this, the Lord told me to call you. The reality of it is, is that if you get a bad diagnosis and the Lord told you to call me, he told you to call me because the spirit of self-pity is mm -hmm. trying to attach to mm -hmm. you. And now what I'm going to do is I am going to push you to come out of self-pity because let me tell you something. And what, and what we're going to push you for right now is that you develop this so that when self-pity comes, you fight self-pity rather than having to call somebody else to do it for you. That's right. Because self-pity, it wants you to go out. Hear what's how self-pity works. <sighs> 
It wants you to go out and gather as much empathy as you can from mm -hmm. people. Oh, you look cute with those glasses on. That, that glare is just Oh, you look cute. It wants you to go out and get as much empathy. At, I'm sorry you do. You just look okay, so cute. Okay, stay focused. Uh, <laughs> well, you cute to me. Well, I appreciate that. Thank okay. you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, I'm back. I'm, I'm focused. I'm focused. You self-pity wants to attach to you because it wants you to go out and get you to seek empathy. Yep. Here's what it means. So you put up that you have a diagnosis. You put up that your husband left you. You put out, you put up that your car broke down, right? And what people are gonna gather around you and do is go, yeah. oh, I'm so sorry mm -hmm. that that happened. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question. What is them being sorry? What does that do for you? Yep. What does that do for you? Yes, you got 300 people to tell you how sorry they are that you're going through. What did that do for you? It gave you a little bit of warm and fuzzy yep. temporarily, but you still got a problem. Yep. You need people that when you face a problem that they say to you, you can overcome this challenge. Now we need a strategy. Yep. Now we need a strategy. And what I need you to do is get up out that bed, mm. put that wine down, mm. turn that Chardonnay off, quit eating them marijuana gummies, and get up and fight this thing because you are engineered to overcome my challenges. Amen. 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 So Saints. we got so number one, Amen, you have to develop a challenge mentality. You have to have a challenge mentality. And you have to understand. That doesn't mean we don't need support mm -hmm. when we're going through. I'm not saying that you don't need support. I'm saying you need to be careful about trading pity for power. And you gotta, I say this all the time, you gotta learn to assign new meaning to yes, things you say that, that happen to time. your life. Sure. You have the power to assign meaning. So if a, if something difficult comes into your life, you can assign the meaning that this is a paralyzing event, or you can assign the meaning that this is an opportunity for me to win and overcome. You get to determine how you approach that. And so a challenge mentality simply says, listen, I am engineered. That's right, Don. I am engineered to overcome life challenges. Everybody else say it too, because we're steering you up. to overcome life challenges. I'm engineered challenges. to overcome. And so because I am, when something happens, I don't see it as some paralyzing event, or I don't see it as uh, something that, that, that says I'm not worth anything. I say, hey, here's an opportunity for me to overcome. So that's what, that's what we do. When we see troubles, we go with the pandemic. The pandemic hit and they said we had to close churches. We like, nope, we've been called to preach. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to go online. How do we do it? I don't know. Let's figure it out. So we figure out how to call. We figure out how to go online. We figure the best way to do it. We figure the right equipment to get. We figure out how to get how to allow people to still sow and give. We don't want to stop doing the scholarship. How are we going? You just problem solve. You get a challenge mentality. But if you get in a state of self-pity, you can't can't solve problems because you can't see solutions. Pastor Nietzsche said it. She said self-pity suppresses our power. Self-pity suppress. So right now, those of you who know you have a tendency to do that, to see, you didn't realize that's what you were doing it. Right now, you need to say you repent, you ain't you repent and you close the door. You do not feel sorry for yourself that's in right. trouble. That's you right. do not feel sorry for yourself in trouble, right? Then the number two thing, the second thing that we have is we have a commitment mentality. The commitment mentality. A commitment mentality. The commitment mentality is resilient people are committed and dedicated and they live their lives through a compelling why. God, that's so beautiful. Most people don't have a compelling why. Jordan is my best example of this. 
The reason it was so important for us to get the outcome that God said for Jordan is that if Jordan couldn't talk, she couldn't do her destiny because God had already shown us her destiny. So, yes, there were moments it was tough. Mm -hmm. Is it tough when your kid isn't making the developmental markers mm -hmm. and you have three other kids that have made mm -hmm. them so you know what they should be? Absolutely. So instead of feeling sorry for Jordan, instead of feeling sorry for us, what we do is we use this commitment, the compelling why. And here's what everybody's compelling why should be. I'm going to see what God says. Mm -hmm. That's why I say you got to get a vision. You got to get it. When God tells you something, you that's why you're, the, the part of your soul is important because it's your mind, will, emotion, your imagination. Right. And your intellect, you need all of those working for that imagination because that imagination gets imprinted on your mind. God gives you a vision and what God shows you becomes your compelling. Why? We saw Jordan graduating high school. We saw Jordan taking regular classes. We saw Jordan excelling in those regular classes. So even when her language was developed, was was was, was not developed, even when she was struggling in school and she was behind, we kept focusing on what God showed us. That's what we were committed to. Now we were, I love how you always teach us in your classes. We were flexible in our approach because there were different things God told us to do at different times based on how she was developing and based on her teachers and everything else. But we, the commitment's always been the same. It's always been the same. It's what God showed us. And I think that this is important for whoever's facing a situation right now, mm -hmm. no matter what you're facing, right? Let's say that the enemy says to you, it's going to take you seven years to turn this around. And let's say it really does take you seven years to turn around. But what's on the other side of that? Right. On the other side of that is the rest of your life. And are you going right, to live in seven more years? Are you gonna live because seven? if you say, well, that's going to take seven years, that's going to take too long. And you live seven years and you don't do nothing. Then you end up seven years later at the same place you are when, when you could have changed that over the course of seven years. Well, you could have changed it over seven. You, you that's know, the commitment mentality. The commitment that's mentality it right says. Listen, um, I, I don't know who used to say this all the time. They say, but if you make a decision to stand forever with God, you won't have to stand mm -hmm. very long. Gloria Copeland. Or if you make a decision, I'm willing to stand forever. I, You have to understand that Pastor Ellen and I have such a tenacity about what God says because he's not a man that he should lie, right. nor the son, son of man, man that, that he, he should, should repent. That we literally say, if you tell us something that contradicts what God say, we just be like, let God be true and let every man mm -hmm. be a liar. You that resilience is what um Noah had. Yes. <laughs> resilience you, you is know what it. Noah you had. Better know you it. better get you some you Noah on it. your life. Mm -hmm. God tells Noah. <laughs> you better get some Noah on your life. You better get some life. Noah on your life. That's right. God says to Noah, there is coming a flood. He says it to a person. You guys may not understand this. Before Noah builds the ark, they have never seen rain. It had never came from the sky. It, rain had never come from the sky. The earth was watered from underneath. He says to Noah, I'm about to destroy the whole world and I need you to build an ark with these specific instructions. Mm -hmm. It takes Noah a hundred and twenty five years to build this ark for rain that they've never seen. They don't even know what rain mm -hmm. is. But Noah is diligent to the instructions. Now, y'all know y'all selves. Y'all know y'all selves. 
Y'all know that it was some of y'all that was mocking Noah every day. Mm -hmm. Some of y'all that Noah, he's so crazy because that's what y'all do when people get a prophetic word. That's what you do when somebody wants to live at another level. That's so crazy. Yep. Ain't no, I know. I, here y'all go with y'all religious selves. I know God ain't told him to build no ark. Mm. God ain't told him to build no ark. What you need an ark for? We ain't never even had no rain before. But for 125 yep. years, Noah gathers. Yep. Noah gathers and he lays out the plan of God. Just and he obeyed God's plan to with, with, with specific detail. With specific detail. God told him exactly how long you were supposed to be, how wide it was supposed to be. Because watch this: when you're going into new endeavors, you don't have time to freelance. You need to be hearing what God has said. So, because God knew how much water, He knew how much the animals was going to weigh. He knew everything. So when He said build it like this, He couldn't be taking short because He's talking about now I don't need to be 84 cubics. 82 will be enough. No, you'd have sunk that ship. You need to do what God said. Tell your neighbor, say, do what God said. And I, I just got to share this because she posted. I don't know when she posted, but I saw it this morning. It tickled me so bad. Ari, Ari said, Ari Cole said, Ariana Cole, she said, many of you show that you wouldn't have made it when God told them to go in the house and put blood over the door. Yep. You wouldn't have made it. Why we got to close the door? Why we got to put the blood over the door? You better learn how to do what God is telling you to do. You better learn to have a commitment mentality. So back to Noah. Noah builds this ark. He puts the animals in it the way God tells him. He sets it up the way yep. God says it. And then the moment they go in the ark and they close the door, it begins to rain. Now, all of the people who were laughing, they beating on the door because yep. now they wish they could get in the ark. I need you to hear this. There are instructions that God is giving you right now. They are your ark. And let's be clear. The people who were outside of the ark, they died. They drowned. They didn't get a second chance. That was the good coach you had to say it like that. <laughs> and I right? want you, I want people to understand that because we, we we gloss over that. They died because they failed to heed the instruction that had been given a man who was preparing a way for them. Now I want to say this too because then here's what people say. People will say, "Well, why did why would God let that happen?" God always prepares a way for our yes, escape. He always say does. this. Say God always gives me a way of escape. He always gives me a way of escape, right? I love what Michael Gibbons said. He says, obedient offends a fool. Mm -hmm. Oh, baby, listen, that's a word right mm -hmm. there. If you are offended by God telling yep. you to obey, you have revealed that you are a fool. Mm. If obedience offends you, you are a fool. If you think the God of the universe who stands in time and time stands in him, doesn't know more than you and you don't need to follow his instructions you are a fool and you should repent for being a fool so you don't get destroyed mm -hmm. amen so if you're going to be a resilient person let's recap this real quick because i know we get excited but let's let's recap this real quick they excited too, i know i know that we we all excited i just want to make sure that we, <laughs> we we i'm calming myself down because i'm getting excited you're such a teacher though because the reality of it is i want them to get it because I want them to be hype, but I want you to get it enough that when we off the broadcast, you can live it out. 
Amen. So number one, we said you got to have a challenge mentality, which is this idea that I look at difficulties as a challenge, not as a paralyzing event. Number two, we said we got to have the commitment mentality, which simply says that I'm committed and dedicated to the things that God has shown me. They become my compelling. Work. They become my compelling. They become my compelling. They become my compelling and then number work. three, the third thing we said is that you need to develop what's called what we call the personal control mentality, the personal control mentality. Well, what is the personal control mentality? The personal control mentality says that resilient people spend their time and their energy focusing on situation and events, watch this, that they have control over, not the ones they don't. And this is so incredibly important for you to understand because resilient people put their efforts where they can have the most impact. They feel empowered and where they feel confident. Those who spend time worrying about uncontrollable events often end up feeling lost, helpless, and powerless to take action. Let me give you some examples. Here's what you need to understand. I do not have the right to use my faith to control somebody else. I can pray for somebody else. But I can't use, let, let's say you got somebody in your family and you want them to be saved. You want them to get off drugs. You want them to stop doing whatever they're doing. You want them to give their life to the Lord, right? I can use my faith to pray that they have a God encounter. Yes. I can use my faith. And I should. And I should. I can use my faith to pray that their eyes will be flooded with light mm -hmm. so that the word of God would illuminate their hearts to what they need to do. What I don't have the right to do, though, is to use my faith to try to make somebody do what I would do. And, and, and there, are, there are times in our lives where there are some situations you simply cannot control. I cannot control everything that's happening in the world. And I know that, that we tell, well, I got faith. I can move mountains. You can move the mountains that you have jurisdiction to move. You can't just move every mountain. You can move mountains that you have jurisdiction over. You can move uh, things that are in your uh, privy of life. I, I, I can't just decide that that I think two people over here shouldn't be married. And so I just spend all my time worried about what they're doing and not focusing on what I'm doing. I can't control everybody else. And so I know that may sound mean sometimes, but people ask me about stuff that other churches in our areas are doing. And I always say, I'm not the pastor there. I'm not the pastor, I'm not the pastor of St. James. I'm not the pastor of Restoration. I'm not the pastor of New Life. I'm, I'm not the pastor of those places. So whatever those churches are doing, I have to assume that they are being led by God. And if they're not, then that's for God to handle. It's not for me to put my mouth on. It's not for me to say something about. I've been instructed to lead a, a body of believers who are in the total body who are connected to fellowship of champions. So I can't be concerned about what everybody else is doing. I have to focus on what I can control. And that's in my personal life. That's in my marriage. That's where my kids are concerned. When I went to Atlanta, I got so angry when I saw that email come at 604. Number one, I thought it was just bad customer service that you would have people from all over the country come into a place and you don't say you knew you weren't going to let those kids move in the day before. You, you didn't find out at six o'clock you didn't have 300 apartments ready. You knew you didn't. But you let people come and you put that email out at 604 after you closed the office at six o'clock. But I couldn't. What could I do about it? I, what could I? They were gone. <laughs> I didn't know the people's name. I couldn't go to their houses. I couldn't just bombard my way. So I didn't focus on that. 
I focused on what I can control. What could I control? My thinking feeling cycle. Your thinking feeling cycle. And so that's what I chose to focus on. It's the personal control mentality. And if you want to be a resilient person, if you would develop these three mentalities, the challenge mentality, the commitment mentality, and this personal control mentality, you'll be well on your way to being able to handle every difficulty that comes your way. Well, I, I'd like to make it even more personal. Go ahead. That it's one of the ways that God turned our marriage around. Mm. Where yep. he basically said to That's each true. of us separately, separately yeah. worry about yourself. Yeah. Don't come in here. He yep. actually told me, don't come in here talking to me about Sean no more. He told me the same thing. I'm glad. He told me, he said, <laughs> he said, listen, he told me, he said, don't come in this. I'm glad to hear you say that because I was like, why are you talking to me like that? <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, listen here, don't come in here. Don't come in here no more talking to me about Edwin. I want to talk to you about you. And let me tell you something, because let me tell you something. This need to control other people. It's really a pride issue mm -hmm. because it's your arrogant belief that it's everybody else. It's, I, I always it, think about that, that, that mean that's got that little girl and she say, worry about yourself. That's what that's what you need to that's what you need to be doing. Worry about yourself, not worry, but focus on yourself. Stop spending so much time on things you cannot control. Well, and if you're going to produce change, you're going to produce it in the spirit, not in the that's natural. That's right. That's right. You're going to produce. Yes. So it yes. wasn't that God yes. didn't want me to be concerned about you or you yes. to be concerned about me. He was like, your mentalities about your marriage, they're too carnal. Right. Your marriage, yes. your, your, your yes. mentality about yes. your marriage, it's too yes. fleshy. Yes. So you fussing and hollering and screaming and stress, you're not in a position to turn this around. We're not saying we don't care about people. We are saying that when we get in this place of anger, when we get in this place of worry, when we get in this place of fear, we are now fighting where the the mm -hmm. devil can sift us mm -hmm. as wheat. Yep. He can sift us as wheat in that place. Now, let me tell you what else the Lord has taught us, right? What he's taught us is this. So, for example, Pastor Edwin will say that he knows that, ab that about me. I am a person who considers the whole world. Mm -hmm. Even as a kid, I would pray. You know, the Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to Lord my soul to keep prayer. I pray for my family. I pray for my church. I literally, the prayer would get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until I would say, and God bless everybody in the whole wide world. To this day, if I start to pray for one person with cancer, it is always going to evolve to everybody in the whole wide world. The reason this number three has been so important to me is because I have had to learn yes, how yes. to use my power yes. where it matters. Yes. So, for example, yes. I may not be able to do anything about all of the hungry people in Northwest yes. Arkansas, yes. but who can I feed? Yes. I may not be able to yes. do anything about the thinking, feeling cycle of all the people on Facebook, but who do I have mm -hmm. influence mm -hmm. over? Who, who, who wants to learn? Who mm -hmm. wants to learn? And I think that this is very important because what happens is, is that when pride gets in the way and, and we really don't want to mm -hmm. see it as pride. But when I'm trying to control other people, mm -hmm. when I'm controlling other trying to control other spaces, I am literally operating from a place of pride. Yeah. Pride is always motivated by fear. 
Fear is always going to bring torment. That's one of the ways that I can know. I'm so anxious. I'm so stressed out. I'm so frustrated by something that is happening around me. If you're feeling any of those things, you can begin to gauge for yourself that your thinking feeling cycle is not rooted in love. Mm -hmm. It's not rooted in truth because you're aggravated. You're irritated. You're all of these things. When you can begin to learn that about yourself, you can keep the enemy from getting Absolutely. dominion over you. Absolutely. Right. Hear me. There are going to be things that happen that irritate you. Oh, yes. There are going to be things that happen that make you upset. Absolutely. There are going to be things that happen. But what you have to quickly be able to do is to say, where can I use my power so that mm -hmm. it matters? Right. So now and, and here's a good example. Yesterday we went out for um, for breakfast, brunch. And I, and you know, I, we're always looking to be a blessing mm -hmm. to people. So as we're getting up to pay, I'm asking the Lord who whose meal should I pay for? Because I can feel the staring to be a blessing to somebody. And it just doesn't resonate anybody for me. We then leave and go to Target and it's a man standing out and he has his son with him. Right. And I immediately know that we are supposed to help them. I go into Target and you go talk to the man. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we know what it is that we are supposed to do. Many of you, you are stressed out because when you see a problem, you either get frustrated by the magnitude mm -hmm. of the problem. So then you just go, you, you, you just are so overwhelmed, so frustrated, so aggravated. You're so aggravated by the people who won't get vaccinated. You're so aggravated by the people who won't wear a mask. You're so aggravated by the government, right? That you can't even hear what God is telling you that you can control, right? right? And so then your aggravation and your fear is causing you to be tormented. I, this is the one I resonate with the most. Well, and we couldn't stop all homelessness. Yes. We couldn't stop all um, food insecurity yesterday. But what we were able to do is to help one person to our ability. To our ability. One person to our ability. It, that's what we could control. And, 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 and if you want to learn to be resilient in the body, that's what you have to learn to do. What what can you can, can control in the sense that what has God called you to? And if you have a heart for people, you want to help everybody. Yeah, yeah. If you really have a heart for people, yeah. you want to help yeah. everybody, yeah. right? Yeah. So you have to have the wisdom to know how to help, when to help, and not to get in fear so you can be resilient. And then here's the other thing resilience would do for you, which is my own issue, right? I don't, this isn't your issue because you're not like this. Not only do I want to help everybody, I want to help everybody now. Oh, yeah. I, I want everything to be done. Now, I want COVID to be gone now. I want all cancer to be gone now. I want all food to be, I want everybody to be fed now. I have had to learn that the enemy will use my desire to see everybody free now to drive me instead of me being led by the mm -hmm, Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. which is what keeps me from being resilient because now it causes I'm frustration. Here, it causes frustration. Yeah, now you, I'm stressed yeah, out yeah, and yeah. now I'm not hearing God clearly yeah. building resilience. Absolutely. So I've had to learn to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Yeah. Now, can we, we can do the rest of these next week, right? Well, there's, there's, there's one part that we, we, we I want to make sure we get to because it goes in line with these three things here. And I can just, I'll talk about it real quick. Here's the thing. Once you've developed this mentality, it's important for you to understand how you talk to yourself.
It's extremely important. And I don't want to skip over this part because it's one of those things where if you don't get this, you'll be going, okay, I need to have a challenge mentality. I need to have a commitment mentality and a personal uh, control mentality. How do I develop that? It has a lot to do with how you communicate with yourself. Because when we begin, when we begin to talk about this idea of, of how I build resiliency, so much of building resiliency is your internal communication. I need okay, you to know good. that. Right. It's about your internal going. communication. And if your internal communication is off, no matter trying to walk out these principles or these practices, you're going to fail. Why? Because everything that happens inside of you becomes a determining factor of what's going on on the outside of you. So res- let me just say this real quick. Resilient people, most resilient people have learned that the way that they explain setbacks and failures to themselves is extremely important. How, if, if you want to see yourself as seeing something as a challenge rather than a paralyzing event, it's going to be how you communicate to yourself. If you want to be committed to, to, to your compelling why that you, that you receive from God, it's going to be about how you communicate to yourself when you don't feel like you're moving toward that. If you want to be a person who understands this personal uh, control mentality and how you can focus on uh, the things you have control over, it's going to have to do with the internal conversation that goes on on the inside of you. When Pastor Sean is saying, you know, I've had to learn to work at this, what she's meaning is she's had to learn to work on the conversation that she's having within herself. Yes. And so the way we communicate back to ourselves about life's troubles is vastly different than the way those who lack resiliency do. And I, I explained this to people and they go, well, why, you know, how, they don't use the word, how are you resilient? They say, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you think like that? Why, why are you like that? Well, here's the difference. These, these three things are, are, are what we, what I've called our explanatory style. How do you explain to yourself what's happening? Because the way you explain to yourself what's happening is the truth. Now it don't matter. It's, it, it, it's, it may not be God. It may not be God. It's true, but it's truth to you. Yes. If if I say nobody likes me, that becomes my truth, even though it's not God's truth. Nobody's there for me. Nobody's there for me. That becomes my truth. And so this, if you want to develop good, resiliency, you have to understand these explanatory styles. And there's three of them. Let me give them to you real quick. The first one I t- I deem this word called permanence. Now, what is permanence? Let's just talk about it. Permanence is defined as a state or quality of lasting, okay, or remaining unchanged indefinitely. If I want to build resiliency, I have to have uh, in my internal conversation this idea of permanence. What is permanence? It's defined as a state or quality of lasting, something that lasts or something that remains unchanged indefinitely. People who are optimistic see the effects of bad events as temporary rather than permanent. Temporary. It's temporary. So it goes back to that very first mentality. What was the first mentality? The challenge mentality. The challenge The challenge mentality says that I see events uh, as opportunities, not as paralyzing events. That goes along with this idea of permanence. This bad thing that happened, it's not forever. So if I'm in trouble and facing trouble, it's just temporary. It's ju- I, I have to explain that to myself that it's way. It's just temporary. If I don't explain it to myself through permanence, then what I say is, oh my gosh, 
uh, I don't have any money. And then you automatically go to, I'm never going to have any I'm money. I'm never going to have any money. And that becomes permanence in your life. It becomes the thing that is unchanged. It becomes the thing that is that is definite. It becomes the thing that is, that is that's, that's going to always be in your life because what you say to yourself, and I cannot stress this enough to people, what you say to yourself, watch this, it even trumps the word of God for you. For you. What you say to yourself, it trumps the word of God for you. So you have to make sure that this idea of, of permanence is not something that is that, 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 that you're doing to yourself in the negative sense. And let me give you an example. And I'll let you say what you need to say. People who, who, who function this way say things like this. They, if, if you're functioning in the right way, you'll say, my boss didn't like the project I just did. Rather than saying my boss never likes my work, that's a big difference. I cannot like one project you did and still think you're a great employee. But if your boss gives you feedback and say they don't like this thing, and you operate from this idea of permanence in the sense that 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 that, that oh my God, they don't like anything I do, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And resilient people don't do that. Resilient people see things as temporary rather than permanent in sense of their setbacks, their failures, their troubles, and, and, and things that don't work out for them. Well, and when people begin to say things like, my boss never likes my work, it invites self-pity. So instead of looking to get better at it, they, they're like, it doesn't matter. No matter what I do, it's never good enough, mm -hmm. right? That's a pitiful position instead of a powerful position. Because with the first statement, I'm now going to say to the Lord, how could I create a project that my boss would actually like? But if I say he never likes my work, then now I'm a victim and nothing I do can ever bring me victory. So I'm not operating from a temporary place. This is so important because Romans tells Romans 12 and 2 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And here is the conflict that a lot of people are having who are new to Fellowship of Champions or even people who have been here for a while. We do a lot of having the right confessions, the right declarations, right? But when you haven't dealt with your thinking feeling cycle, you come to prayer, you come to teachings and you hear the right things. But your narrative on the inside is still contradictory. So you come and hear it's your year of release. Yes. It's your year of breakthrough. You're already healed. But you've got that negative junk that hasn't been washed out with the word. And then that creates even more stress for you because on one hand, you're hearing you should be victorious. But your self-talk is telling you that you can't be. And now that becomes true for you. Yes. And here's what's so crazy about it. So even when God does give you victory, you can't see mm -hmm. it. That's exactly right. And so that's 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 one of the explanatory styles. The second one is this idea of that we call uh, pervasiveness. Now, 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 why is this important? Because this is defined. And remember, we're talking about how you talk to yourself. I cannot stress to you enough that the way you talk to yourself has a a a powerful, powerful. Uh, outcome for how you're going to live your life. Mm -hmm. And so this is defined as the quality or the quantity or quality and quantity of something spreading wildly or being present throughout an area or a region. Okay. So how are you talking to yourself uh, through this idea of pervasiveness? Now, let me, let me say this. Resilient people don't let setbacks or bad events. Here's this is so important affect other unrelated areas of their lives. 
Resilient people don't let something bad at work happen and allow it to be pervasive through the rest of their other areas of their life. Okay, I, 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 got, I, got, I was told at work, let's go back to the boss example. My boss didn't like this last project I did, okay? Now, if I focus on that and I create permanence with that, then it goes from permanence to, to pervasiveness. So now my kids don't like me. Now my husband don't like me. Mm. Now my church don't like me. Why? Because it's become, it's spread. Go back to that definition of pervasiveness. It's, it, is, it is this idea that it's something that is spreading wildly or being present throughout an area or a region. Resilient people don't allow, and I use this example all the time, pancake and a waffle. If you, if you take a pancake and you post syrup on that pancake, what does it do? It, it spreads the whole, whole thing. thing. But if you have a waffle, you can individually feel each of those little, those little squares and what you put over here doesn't affect over here. Resilient people have learned to compartmentalize the things that are not going well so they don't become pervasive to every other area of their life. And if you don't, if you don't have that internal thought process, something will happen in one area and you will attribute it to every single area of your life. Well, Clarissa just used the word malignant in things of cancer. Yes. So It'll when, spread. when we don't deal with our thinking feeling cycle yes. in one area before we know it, it is traveling. It yes. is spreading to every area. And then when it's spreading to every area, it's more difficult to cut out, but praise God through the word, it can be cut out. Yep. It can be cut out. Right. And so it's very important. And if you say this, I am, you're, you're naturally a waffle. I am. I am naturally a pancake mm -hmm. because I am naturally a pancake. I have to guard myself in a yes. very different way Yes, because I am naturally this happened here it impacts mm -hmm. over here. That's why you got to know yourself. You have to be a student of yourself to be like, I am I a waffle, am I a pancake? Now, what waffles have to be careful not to do is not to take that negative area and just bury it over there so they still end up with infection over there. Well, and I think I think those are two different things. And here's what I mean. I, what you said is 100% right when it comes to living out their life spiritually and according to God. But you want to be able to bury a negative thing over here so it doesn't become pervasive to every area of your life. So, so you are 100% right that waffles, people like me, have to be careful not to say, well, that's just that, that's just is what it is. But at the same time, it is something that, that, that builds resiliency because, for instance, I learned I am not, not only am I not good, but I don't like curriculum writing, but I'm very good at people managing so I've learned that about myself. And because I've learned it about myself, I can be resilient in, in when, it, when it comes to, to my, my, my field of education because I've learned just because I'm not good at this doesn't mean I'm not good at everything. Yes. And I think the thing with pervasiveness is people begin to do things and say things like they'll say, I, people will say, I'm not very good at this rather than I'm not very good. And those are two totally different statements. I'm not good at this. That doesn't mean I'm not very good. I can tell somebody I'm not good for you. That don't mean I ain't good. I, we might not be good together, <laughs> but that don't mean I'm not good. But if you allow that pervasiveness to come and spread over all of your life and you begin to have that internal conversation, it will it will it will diminish or, or chip away at your resiliency because what, what it wants to say is I'm not good or I'm not valuable or I'm not worthy in any area. 
You know I what? Think that's, that's, if that's the boys were here, you know what they would say? What? You're saying the same thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I just made the distinction because we've had the conversation offline about waffles and pancakes about a different area. And I wasn't talking about that particular area. I was talking about in terms of resiliency. Teach, teach. Okay. And so you got to have permanence. You need to understand pervasiveness. And then the last one, I thought you didn't even want to talk about these three. And then the last one is personalization. Personalization is important. Why is personalization important when it comes to how you're talking about yourself? Because personalization is defined as the act of causing an issue, an argument, or et cetera, to become concerned with personalities or feelings rather than with general or abstract matters. Let me explain to you. People who have resilience don't blame themselves when bad events occur. Now, pause. I'm not saying that they're looking to blame everybody else. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that people who are resilient are not always looking to blame themselves. The truth of the matter is, sometimes it was somebody else's mistake. The truth of the matter is, you know, I, you know, I, I, and I saw this try to keep try to creep in because I was like, well, maybe I should have called and asked them if we could move in before we drove all the way down there. Well, they sent the email and told us we could move in on the 18th. Why do I have to check with them again? But if I wasn't careful, I could have got into that place of blaming myself for that. So people who have resilience don't blame themselves when bad events occur. Instead, they evaluate the situation in its totality to see what part they may have played while not negating the fact that other people or other circumstances may have actually been the cause. For instance, they may say, my kids have been making some really poor decisions lately that are out of character with how I raised them, as opposed to I must have been a bad parent for my kids to be acting like this and doing the things that they're doing. Personalization says I don't allow every bad thing to happen to become a reflection of who I am. I step away from it with the ability to look in totality and to ask myself, what part did I play? While also leaving room to understand I may have done everything right and it still didn't turn out right. I think that that's really good because I do think that sometimes what people do is that they, one, they get into blaming other people mm -hmm. and you're never going to get free until you can see what part did you play. So one of the things that I say all the time is that if you keep having bad relationships, this is very important. If you keep having bad relationships, it's important that you do the work to understand how you keep ending up picking the same kind of person. Right. But that doesn't mean that what the person did to you wasn't wrong. It means that in order to close the door, you've got to figure out the part you play that keeps allowing you to end up in this situation. Yep. Right. And I think that this is so good because we have to be able to say. Here's the part I play. God, how do I shift so I don't put myself in this situation again? Mm -hmm. Right. And in the event when I didn't do anything, you said this so, so many years ago, we you were counseling someone who um, their spouse had um, had cheated on them and they were saying I was a fool for trusting them. And you were saying you are never a fool for trusting the person that you committed to do life with. Right. They're a fool for breaking the trust. Right. That's you're supposed very, to trust the you're person you're supposed you're to trust the person with. that you're doing life yes. with. You're not supposed to live on guard with right. the person. That, so, so what happens sometimes in a situation like that? It's like, oh my God, it's my fault. It's my fault. No, it's their fault. They are the yeah. person who broke the trust. It's wrong internal personalization. 
it's, it's wrong. It's, it's wrong. You're, you're, you're accepting responsibility for something you had no control over that someone did. And now you're beating yourself up for it. And I tell people all the time, why would you beat yourself up? You're the only one you got. At the end of the day, if I'm going to have to look at a situation, I'm looking to see, yes, what role did I play? But this can't all be my fault. <laughs> it can't all be my fault. Anything that involves two people. Now, I'm going to say two adults, yeah. two adults, because if we're talking about doing something inappropriate to kids, that's not what we're talking right, about. Right. But if we're talking about two adults and no marriage falls apart because of one person, right. no work relationship falls apart because of one person, no, no situation falls apart because of one person. Two people have a role to play. Sometimes the role that I have to play is that I never should have been over there dating them to right, begin with. Right. That I totally could have avoided this pain and these scars and, if I hadn't been over there. And you can acknowledge that without beating yourself up for the things they did because you were over there with them. You say that You again. can do them both. You say can say, you know what? I was wrong. I, the Lord told me not to date this person. I got a, I got an unction, whatever it is. I should have never dated them. You can acknowledge that part without then having to accept responsibility and saying, well, because of, because I, I guess I deserve whatever I got for what they did for oh, me because I was over there. No, no, no. I didn't deserve to be lied to. I didn't deserve to be mistreated. I didn't deserve to be hit. I didn't deserve to be uh, abused emotionally or physically. Physically or, or mentally or financially or anything. I didn't deserve any of that. What I did was wrong, but what they did was wrong. And that's the right kind of internalization that you need to talk to yourself in order to become resilient. So you don't allow uh, pervasiveness to come in and go, well, because I deserve that, then I should have deserved that. And I should have got that. And I should have got that. And I should have got that. And now I just live in this state of pity where I won't even ask God to help me because I think I deserve it. So I acknowledge my part. Yep. I acknowledge their part. Yep. And I ask God to help me yep. with my part so I don't end up in there, yep. right? But I don't beat myself up for the actions of other people. I do not. And I don't believe that because mm -hmm. I made a bet. We know, babe. We know you don't. don't. We know you I don't. don't do we, that. Babe, we know you don't. Okay. We, okay. We know you don't. <laughs> I and don't. because, and, you know, made me forget my train of thought. I'm sorry. I just don't do that. We talk about not beating ourselves up. We don't beat, <laughs> ourselves, we don't beat ourselves up for what other people did. You know, one of the things I really <laughs> love about teaching with you over this pandemic the thing I love about being able to see the comments and different things like this, I feel like that because we've done this, we've been able to understand where people's thoughts are. It's much better than if we were just teaching and people were sitting out there not because at least here it's almost like they can they can they can share their feedback, which and is why then, I like it. And then we can adjust different things. Mm -hmm. But we also I love teaching with you because you know, we are going to come from things from different sides. Mm -hmm. And so it helps people no matter what perspective that they sit on. Right. But babe, we, you, you, this is so good. We've got to keep teaching about this. We, 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 will. We'll we no, teaching. we've got to keep teaching about this mm -hmm. because like, sometimes you'd be like, let's wrap up all the notes and move on. I wouldn't, I didn't want to wrap up today, but I did want to get to those because those tied into those mentalities. I just didn't want people to walk away not understanding that so much of what, goes on on the inside of them is going to determine whether they can even develop the right mentality. Because if you don't have the right, how can I say this? If you don't have the right self-talk, if you don't have the right internal language, trying to do the right thing can become a frustration because you're trying to walk out um, a principle, but you got so much uh, bad or poor communication, junk. so much junk, junk on the inside of you. And I wanted people to be able to see, hey, listen, have I, I wanted people to identify where they are. You know, there are a lot of pervasive people. People take something that happens in one area and they just extrapolate it to all the other areas of their life. Uh, there are people who see things that happen uh, and, and they see it as, as a state of permanence. You know, uh, I, I, hey, I, I, I was broke back in 94. I ain't broke today. 
I, and praise God for it. I don't want to live in a place of permanence when something bad happens. I don't want the bad thing to be seen as forever. It's temporary. And the great thing about something being temporal or temporary is that what? It is subject to change. So what may be bad today, it can be good this afternoon. If I have the right mindset and employ resiliency uh, and the right mentalities with the right explanatory style in my right internal communication. You're such a teacher. So, You're such a teacher. Listen, um, somebody said, Sheila said this was seriously like five hours of psychotherapy in an hour. I need to send y'all my copay. Hey, amen. <laughs> listen, I love what Katrina just said. She says stick is temporary. Now, listen, now, you know that just to circle That's back right. to how I, we end you tell yourself it's temporary just to circle back to how we started. We're doing all of this, not from willpower, not but from what, guys, from the word, from the word of, of God. God. So the scripture we use to start with it is that we have overcome yes. the reason it doesn't have to be pervasive. The reason we don't have to personalize it. Mm -hmm. The reason it doesn't have to be any of those things is that we are looking at what God has said mm -hmm. about our situation. These things have I spoken to you that in me, you might My have peace. peace in the world. You will have tribulation but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So my resilience is not built in how strong I am. That's right. It is built in how strong this word is. And this word is well able to do everything God said. And what does the, and sometimes people get confused. Like, well, what does it mean to be in the word? Everything we were talking about this morning, that's what his word does for me internally. It gives me the challenge mentality. It gives me the personal control mentality. It gives me uh, this idea of how to use permanence and how to use uh, uh, pervasiveness in the right way. It does all of those things for me. That's what the word does. So yes, you won't go and look in uh, Romans 12 and four and see the word uh, permanence, but you can, you can grasp that from the word. And that's what the word does. It allows us to pull in so many, so many directions. And, and again, you may come up with other things for this, this right here, you're not going to find this necessarily written in the book somewhere because this is what God gave us to do. But universally, remember, we talk about that God's word trains us all universally. And then the Holy Spirit does it uniquely. This is a universal thing. Now, how you uh, allow Holy Spirit to teach it to you in the language he gives it to you may be a little different, but this is just foundation. And that's what we wanted to want people to know. Man, you are a winner. You, you are, are a, a winner. winner. You are. And you have the ability to keep on winning. If you allow this resiliency to be developed in you, you will be able to overcome and grow from any setback you ever have. And we just want to thank all of our partners, the people, the new people who come, because it really is our heart. Um, number one, I appreciate that you'll hang for 90 minutes or more, because the reality of it is, if you can watch, if you can binge watch a show, if you can watch a four hour movie, your life is worth the word. And almost any movie now is more than 90 minutes. Yes. Your life is worth the word. 
and you're bum we're bombarded by so much negativity yeah. guys that if we don't put the word on the inside of us yes we're loving Jesus but life is literally wearing us out yes. Monday through Saturday right, right. and so we appreciate you and we commend we you, thank you for, hanging, for in. hanging in there with us now it's our opportunity to give yeah. because the other thing that we believe is what breaks the back of the enemy is giving when I am a giver, when I am a tither, and there are those of you, I want you to hear this. Let me prophesy to you. Those of you who are tithers, there are going to come some things where it looks like you have lack and you need to remind earth that you have covenant with mm -hmm. God. Notice I didn't say remind God. He didn't forget. You need to remind earth. The Bible says, and the earth will yield her increase. Mm -hmm. Those of you who have been faithfully committed to God and giving the way that he tells you to give, you need, I love that Malisha said, yes, it's time to give. It is. It is time to if give. If this word was a blessing to you, sow into it. So it becomes part of what, what, what you retain and have in your life. And I think that this is just another position that when I understand the promises of God and it looks like there is lack in my life, I don't go back to God and say, God, did you forget? God didn't forget. I remember that I've been given authority in the earth and I begin to call in what my covenant gives me access to. Because this lack is not pervasive. This lack this is not lack pervasive is and it's not, not permanent. It's not permanent. It's not permanent, right? And so tithers, remind earth of your covenant. I am a tither. I bring my tithes and offering into the house of God so the windows of heaven will be open over me. That means that even if the world, it just like he said in Habakkuk, if he said if the if the tree is not yielding fruit, if the if the cows are not producing calves, all I know yes. is that is that yet I will praise yes. the Lord will I praise because the Lord. I have a covenant with God that yes. causes me to prosper in every season. Yes. And some of you need to hear this. Yes. One of the reasons that the enemy works so hard to get you not to tithe mm -hmm. and not to be a giver is because it's how he wears you out yep. in your money. Yep. He wears you out in your and money. And then he can get you to talk negative to yourself about uh -huh. every other thing and uh -huh. fall into all those traps uh -huh. we talked about. And let me tell you why we we gonna we we we're taking this money heal. We're taking the money heal because when we solidify our position as having abundance. Not only can we help other people, but we can get on to the big work we're called yes. to do. See, understand that when you are bombarded about whether you can pay your light bill or not, you miss the opportunity to win souls. Because when you stressed out about your bills, you're not in Walmart trying to see who God wants you to minister to or at the baseball field seeing who God wants you to minister to because you are bombarded by your lack. Yep. Understand when God is inviting us to give, he is saying, let me set you free. Let me give you a supernatural advantage so then you can go do the work that I have really put you here for without worry or concern. And then you get to partner with him to do all those things we talked about when we preached about the covenant. You get yes. to help bring his covenant to pass. You get to help bring. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. Mm -hmm. The enemy wears out so many of you with money so that you don't win souls. Mm -hmm. So that, And I'm, I'm not just talking about getting people born again. That's the discipleship. Mm -hmm. That's the transformation of your mind. 
mind, will, emotions, intellect, and your imagination. And there are so many people for us to reach. How many you know it's so many people for us to reach? Mm -hmm. So today's your opportunity to give. You can give through Givelify, Push, Pay, Tithely, text to give at 833-969-0897 or PayPal at FOC Church at NWA. Now, as we get ready to get out of here, what I would like to see you put in the comments What's your one big takeaway from today's message? Because that's what we read. So that's we what know we what read. To kind of prepare. What's and think your about one for next big week. takeaway from today's message? What's the one thing you're going to focus on implementing over the next seven days? If you was going to tell somebody what you learned today that you think would help them, what would that be? Yes, what, what would? What's, what what's the, we I want to know what because we said a lot of stuff. And, and we get different things out of it individually and collectively, but we want to know what y'all got out of this because we want to we want to go back and read these this week. And so, you know, so as you people are giving, you know, if you want to give your life to the Lord, that's where it starts with. If you want to be free of all the torment of the enemy, you need to give your life to the Lord. Mm -hmm. You need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you want to do that, we want to pray with you. Right. As people are putting their comments in, if you're like, man, I need to come back home. I don't let the enemy take me too far. Come on, I, come on come home. On. Don't be like. Come the prodigal son over there eating in the pig pen you are not designed for that life come on home right come home and let us know that you've come home if you want to be a virtual partner become a virtual partner put the link up so they can become a virtual partner this is a church teaching people how to walk in love and live by faith and experience oh, like God's prosperity and then lastly Come to Strategies for Success tomorrow at noon. Come to a prayer um, Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central. Come to Bible study Wednesday at 8 p.m. <laughs> Come to get your kids in Ignite so that they learn how to do this Thursday at 7 p.m. Get your babies in Victory Zone. Come to, um, to Champion Circle Friday. And then let's do it all again with Chris and Valley next Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Right. Now, share me some of these comments because well, I, I just, knew you uh, wanted to. I mean, no, I'm just, I'm just reading some of them. They're good. Like CJ said, uh, focus on what's in your control. That's a, I'm telling you, that'll change people's life right there. Chris said, uh, my focus this week are the three mentalities. Uh, let's see. Courtney said, learn, train, and practice resilience through the word of God. Uh, Centrisa said, I will only focus on the things I can control. That's a big one for a lot of people. I'm telling you. Uh, and then someone, let's see. Sonia said, I am definitely working on personalization. Good. Work on that. So there's so many more. Don said, I don't lose when I get knocked down. I get up and move forward. That's exactly right. We don't we don't let setbacks become permanent. They're just temporary. So I can't wait to read a lot of a lot of these. They're they're, they're so good. These are so good. I love what Jim said. Don't beat myself over the actions of other people. I am engineered to overcome. Stephanie said, don't let pity take over, right? Mm -hmm. This is so good. Um, um, Roshonda said, it's only temporary and focus on what I can mm -hmm. control. This is the, you got, so somebody said, adjusted my mentality. Mother said, be, be aware of the words I speak over my life, my internal conversations, right? Um, Angel says, I love the teachings of the three mentalities of resilient people. These are needed to reinforce our position as overcomers. I believe Christ, that. Right? I believe that. Rhonda says, I learned that self-pity suppresses my power. Yeah. Everett says, my takeaway today is a lot. Focus on my mind. Don't worry about things I can't control. We are walking in the beginning of some big things, and these teachings are spot on. Very good. Amen. We are praying. Pastor Edwin and I, the intercessors, Pastor Ralph, Pastor wait to Chris, read these. we are praying every day for the people of God to have victory. We need you guys to help us help you. Watch this message Ooh, again. This Use this message. Apply these things. 
and see your life change. Demetri says, I'm going to focus on word. I oh, that's good. Word, word, word power, power, not, not will power. Yes. Word power, not will yes. Um. Somebody said they need to work. They work on being a waffle. That's good. Yeah. We want you to know how to practically apply the word of God. And we are unapologetic for the way that we teach, be the listening. passion that we teach <laughs> with, and even the length of time that we teach with. Because if you just learn one thing that keeps the enemy from tormenting you this week, yeah. one thing that you can it's give another your, tool in your it's tool belt. It's another bag. tool in your tool belt. And you need tools, right? Amen. You need tools. We love you guys. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We're going to read all of this. We're going to come yeah. back and teach about this. I do want to say this. And come back next week. Listen, there's some more. We, we, we've put some, some, some real thought about our lives into this. And, and you know, she... She, she'll laugh, but it's nine pages of notes over here. We know we didn't get to all of the day. I could, I told Pastor Rav, we've got two different banners set up, and we didn't even touch the second one. It didn't finish the first one. Uh, but listen, we'll take as long as we need to because I think it's important because if you develop strong people, they can stand through strong times. Okay, I just want to tell y'all this because I want y'all to know how Pastor and work. So these was our notes from last week. That we didn't get through. And then what he does, he, this is what he's going to say when this goes off, y'all. He going to say, I'm not changing these notes. We're going to use these notes. But then on last night, I mean, day before yesterday, he gave me these notes. So then what he going to do is take these notes, these notes, and y'all comments. And then next week, it's going to be a new set of notes yeah. because he really, really is a teacher, yeah. right? He really, really is a teacher. And we want you guys to win in every area of life. And we love you. So we put a lot of work into this. Can y'all put a lot of work into studying this so you can get the victory and send us your testimonies this week Absolutely. because somebody's going to have an opportunity at work or school or in your marriage to, to get practice. caught up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Somebody just said happy anniversary. I want oh, to say you. thank you to all of the partners who sent us love gifts for our anniversary. Yeah, thank we you. really, really appreciate that. You didn't have to do it, but we appreciate it and we thank you for it and we appreciate your generosity and we pray that you would have the same amazing love in your life that we have in our lives. Yes. I just want to say just one last thing. Okay. Somebody put in the comments, they said, you and Pastor Edwin, y'all be really courting and flirting when you be teaching. No, I be flirting with you and you be focused on your notes, right? That's Let's be true. honest. That's probably I true. Be like, oh, you're so cute. Oh, your glasses. I'm you like, like, that's not on the notes. Let's, you're like, that is focused. not on the notes. You got to focus on your focus. <laughs> but we can do more than one we thing. We can. I'm learning to do that. Well, tell me I look cute today. You look really, really cute today. Thank you. And you got on a little, uh, a nice dress and it's not too short, even though you, made, <laughs> you thought it was. It's just the right length. All right. We love you guys. Have an amazing day. Apply this information. God bless you. Have a great day. See you in all the activities this week. Take care, guys. Be blessed.